With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey there, and welcome into Maybe I'm the Crazy One podcast. And I'm your host, Alex Chandler. Never being one to share a take with anyone I know, I figured I'd start by taking down my ideas and sharing them here. Every week, we'll explore parts of the sports world, and I'll give you my viewpoints. Maybe I'm a genius, or maybe I'm just crazy. Tune in with me and find out for yourself. guys and welcome into episode 20 of maybe i'm the crazy one podcast i'm your host alex chandler man do we have a great show for you today we had a great game of football last night the chiefs and chargers played as you know uh the chiefs won by three 27 24 uh chargers covered via back door we'll we'll break that game down here a little bit later um, obviously, we'll start with our quick hits, uh, and then we will also uh, discuss a little bit about the Robert Sarver situation a little bit more uh, in depth and in detail today, uh, just because some additional things have happened, uh, and I want to kind of cover my thoughts and beliefs on that as well. And so, you know, thank you for being here. First and foremost, we're appreciative of having everybody in who's listening to today's episode. Uh, we got a little bit of ways to go to make our next goal. And so I need a little bit bigger of a push. I was hoping to be there by now, but, you know, we're, we're a little behind schedule at this point, and that's okay. Um, you know, we got to we gotta do the things the right way here. We're going to build the right way. We're going to do everything the right way. Um, and so with that being said, I could you really use your support. If you could share, like, review, sh- you know, subscribe, all of the fun stuff there. Get, you know, get your friends to listen. If you have anybody who's uh, a football fan, you know, sports, sports fan in general, uh, go ahead and get them to tune in. This show is built for the fans and to, to be ran by the fans. And so I do need that support. We're going to have a bigger social media presence as well over the next few weeks, uh, you know, as we ramp up into being able to utilize social media a little bit better. And so I'm excited to do that with you guys here soon as well. Um, regular, regular content coming at you, like I said last week, uh, Tuesdays and Fridays. I think it it works well. We're going to be able to break down the game today and then, you know, discuss the rest of the games for the weekend. Uh, and then on Tuesday, 
we haven't missed any games. And so we get to break down the rest of the weekend games, including the Monday night game. So I really like the schedule we have. We're going to keep it in place for now. Um, if you guys want to hear anything specific, let us know. This is the time frame to do so. Um, otherwise, you know, I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. So, uh, you know, with that being said, without further ado, let's go ahead and get this show started with some quick hits. All right. So our first quick hit today, after... Alabama and Texas played this weekend. Alabama dropped down to the two seed, or the the second ranked team in the country, sorry. While Texas, surprisingly, went from 28th to 21st. Texas A&M was the biggest faller. Uh, They went from being the sixth ranked team in the country to the 24th ranked team in the country. Meanwhile, Appalachian State somehow gained all their votes, even though they're one and one. Um, and other teams that are undefeated, like Marshall, Kansas State, Cincinnati, uh, or not Cincinnati, I guess they lost in week one, but uh, Marshall, K-State, um, there's about three or four other teams that are right on the outside, did not get considerations. And so my biggest take on that is that there's obviously bias because a team like Texas, who is is undefeated, and or actually they were undefeated and lost to Alabama is going to go from 28th in the country to 21st because they lost by one point when Alabama had a bad game, as opposed to a team like Appalachian State doesn't doesn't move up into the rankings and, as a matter of fact, didn't last week when they played a UNC team real close and, uh, you know, lost that game. That was the crazy game where they scored 40 points in the fourth quarter. So it just shows your bias to the power five schools versus the group of five schools there because literally the exact same situation occurred. As a matter of fact, they actually won their match, uh, their game this week. And so that would have been, uh, you know, interesting to see. I would have hoped they would have put them in. Obviously, putting them in, uh, you'd have to take A&M out. But, you know, that didn't happen. So uh, there are some interesting matchups this week in college football um, that we are going to get to. Uh, and so it's going to be really see, really exciting to see what happens this week in football. And, and I mean, as a matter of fact, you have A&M who is going to be playing uh, Miami, both ranked teams. Miami is ranked 13th. Uh, A&M is ranked 24th. And so if A&M loses that game, they go from having title, you know, national championship contending aspirations this year to being one and two and probably not even going to be in consideration for the playoff, let alone being a national title contender. Meanwhile, there's also another top, you know, two top 25 opponents going against each other, and it's number 12, uh, BYU, and 25, Oregon. And say what you want about Oregon getting absolutely destroyed by Georgia. Georgia's the best team in the country. They won the national championship last year. That all makes sense. They've given themselves an extremely hard uh, non-conference schedule. And so for, for that, I actually commend them. Being Coming out here and playing two top 25 opponents uh, in the same year is really hard to find these days inside of Power 5 schools. And so the fact that they're able to do that right now, that's really exciting. And so it's really exciting to see. I'm rooting for Oregon this weekend. BYU will be a part of the Big 12 soon. Hopefully, Oregon will join them. Um, but we'll see what happens in the offseason this year uh, in terms of what happens with the Pac-12, Pac-10, what are they going to go down to now um, with USC and UCLA leaving. In tennis news, since we've talked tennis most of these uh, 
you know, episodes recently, um, Roger Federer retired. We just talked about Roger. Roger's an incredible talent. Uh, we, you know, the same things that we said about Serena, uh, we can almost say about Roger. The only difference is he didn't transcend a sport due to, you know, race. Um, and, and while that's incredibly wildly important for, for Serena's story, um, on the court, um, and courts in general, um, outside of, you know, a clay court, there was, you were hard pressed to find somebody better than Roger Federer. Uh, Roger is now third all time in Grand Slams. One, he's at 22. Uh, Djokovic is at 24. Nadal's at 23 or vice versa. And so he won't go down with the most championships ever, but his, he was so good when he was at his peak. Nobody beat him. Nobody did. Not even Nada. You know, and so when, when Nadal couldn't beat him, um, you know, they would go after each other time and time again. I think there's some crazy stat out there, like 64 of 71 of the last Grand Slams have featured Nadal, Djokovic, or Federer, um, is what I heard a few weeks or months back. Um, and so that's just incredible. The, the U.S. Open just, that just happened, notwithstanding, because none of them were in the final and Nadal lost. Djokovic wasn't able to attend. Federer wasn't there. And so... Uh, you know, that's impressive and incredible. I hope he enjoys retirement. Whatever comes next for him as well will be super exciting. Um, on to somebody as well in another sport that we don't talk about, baseball. Um, Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright set the record yesterday, the 15th, for 325 uh, matchups between uh, catcher and pitcher. So taking the field at the same time to start games. 325 times. That's incredible. Congrats to them. Very happy for them. Also chasing history on their team, Albert Pujols, um, or Pujols, sorry. Uh, 697 home runs hit this year. Or not this year, uh, sorry, uh, for his career. Uh, and he's got three more to hit this year. He has 20 games to do it, just under 20 games is 18. Um, so basically one in the next six. And then he'll be, I think it's the fourth or fifth player ever to hit 700 home runs. And so if there's one thing to cheer in and cheer for right now, it would absolutely be Albert Pujols hitting number 700. That's one of those rare numbers that you'll, you know, you don't ever see hit. It's kind of like, you know, 38,000 points in uh, Major League Baseball or not Major League Baseball, uh, NBA. Uh, It's like, you know, five Super Bowl rings in the NFL. Um, it, it's very uncommon. Not very many people have done it, but the people who have done it are exceptional talents. And that, you know, that doesn't change here just because, you know, it's happening now and, you know, how long it took him to happen, you know, how long it took him to get there. Um, whatever it may be, his career is his career. Here's the thing. I believe in durability and longevity and those things should never count against you. They should always only count for you. And so that's what I'm going to do here. I'm going to count them for him. Him playing this long is a testament to how great of a player he has been his entire career. And that's not going to change today. Staying in baseball, the Dodgers are almost uh, to the point where they've clinched not only their division, which they've already done, also clinching home field advantage throughout the NL playoffs. Uh, They are nine and a half games up on the Mets currently. There's, again, 19 to play, so their magic number is like nine 
I think is what it ends up being eight or nine, nine or ten. Um, and so what that means is that they would have to win. The Mets would have to either they would have to either win or the Mets would have to lose. That number moves down. So if they win eighteen times or nine times, and they'll they'll clinch the the conference. If the Mets lose nine times, then that opens the door for them to clinch the conference as well. Obviously, I think it will be a combination of the two of them. Probably like a six three split where the six wins for the for the Dodgers, three losses for the Mets. Um, and ultimately they'll you know, they'll they'll clinch by early next week and have, you know, eight, ten games left in the season. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. The Dodgers are have above and beyond been the best team in the division, in their conference, and frankly in the league. The Yankees for a little bit of time there were better. Obviously, the Astros have surpassed the Yankees now in the M in, in the AL. And so we'll see if it's a you know a rematch of what is that, the 2017, 2018 World Series. But, you know, we'll have to see what ends up happening, truly. And last quick hit that we're gonna get to today, uh, Donovan Smith and Chris Godwin, just in case you're a fantasy guy, if you care about the Bucks. Uh, they are going to be out this weekend uh, with injuries. Alvin Kamara, listed as questionable, probably will play. Same with Najee Harris. Um, if there's any other players that you would like me to also keep an eye out for you, go to let me know. I'll go ahead and take take care of that for you guys. Uh, you know, give you my analysis. Uh, so I've been giving a couple people fantasy advice, and they do the exact opposite of what I do, and it tends to work out. Versus you know doing exactly what I say, it doesn't work out. And so uh, I'm having personal success in fantasy, it seems. Uh, but in terms of giving the advice, probably go the opposite direction of what I tell you to do. And so that will do it for quick hits today for us. Um, we're going to move on now to Robert Sarver and the Phoenix Suns, as we did talk about it on Tuesday. However, some information came to light since then. Uh, new information. And so I wanted to share that with you guys as well as, you know, obviously provide my opinions since this is you know my opinion filled show uh so with that being said uh adam silver spoke with the media said you know it's hard to remove him as an owner i don't see that being the situation in place here uh there's a lot of steps that take you know have to take place for that to occur i don't think it rose to that level since then lebron james the star of the nba the star while there's other superstars you know, Steph Curry be another one, for example, that are, you know, near, you know, peak LeBron, just like when Michael Jordan was in the league, just like when Magic was in the league, the, there's certain guys that are just the league, right? They are the league's star, and that's LeBron. And, you know, he came out and said that this is absolutely unacceptable. The NBA should have done more. The league let us down. Um, you know, I, I hope to see, you know, change happen. And then, after that, the team was they, they introduced the the interim governor, um, which is basically a fancy term for saying the guy that's going to do the day to day operations as the owner. Uh, and then their minor their second largest minority stakeholder, uh, Jam Najafi, and if I said that incorrectly, I'm very sorry, uh, came out and said that he's asking for Robert Sarver to resign. And he will do his best to make sure that the next steward of the team is one that leads with the integrity that he would like to have instilled and shown inside of the organization. Additionally, PayPal came out today and said that they will not be a sponsor of the Phoenix Suns 
if they if they decide to not replace Robert Sar- Robert Sarver. So it sounds like the Phoenix Suns, while not being required to have Robert Sar- Sarver sell his equity in the company, is eventually and you know throughout this entire process is going to get him to somehow not be a part of the Phoenix Suns any longer. And to that, I have to say the and I got to choose my words carefully here, the level of urgency being shown by both players, because Chris Paul also said something uh, to to the effect that LeBron did, um, that the players and the team are having are, are exciting. Um, and, f- you know, for lack of a better term, it's, you know, the right thing to be done. Uh, I don't think Robert Sarver deserves to be in a position of power to be running a team in the NBA where he's obviously, you know, shown racial tendency and racial bias when your team is predominantly going to be, you know, filled with, you know, minorities and African-Americans. And that's not going to provide equitable treatment to them. Uh, I don't believe that you should have the ability to own a women's team when you've been a misogynistic asshole. And so with that being said, I absolutely hope that the ownership group of the Mercury and the Suns, you know, say Sarver, hey, bro, it's been really great having you this whole time. Actually, it's really not been. But, you know, for the sake of being kind, it's been cool. Uh, We're going to need your keys and you're going to go ahead and put your house up for sale and you're going to move the fuck out of Phoenix. Because. It's egregious that somebody could ever be quantified. I've said this on Tuesday. I'll say it again. Somebody in that level and power, you can quantify their success in the league and they get to basically do whatever the hell they want to do. When you can quantify success, you can do what you want to do. And it's ridiculous. You know, to the women that were impacted, I'm sorry. To the players that were impacted, I'm sorry. To the coaching staffs, I'm sorry. Um... And I have nothing to do with it. It's just a shitty situation you've been placed in. Um, and, you know, you're going to be asked questions about it all year. And I, what I anticipate happening is Monty Williams going, hey, guys, what we're not going to do is talk about the situation all year. I'll answer questions about it right here, right now, the opening press conference of the season. After that, we're done. If you bring me a question, I'm going to say next question. Monty Williams is a leader of men. And I believe he's going to make sure that this is taken care of. And it's also really interesting that these people in power in Phoenix, all of them, uh, you know, it's it's just interesting to watch their reactions. Because a couple of the, the owners have came out and admonished him. There's like five or six owners, though, truly, that have like more than like things like 4% equity in the team. And only two of them have said something, one of them suspended. And so, again, if you don't know the story of, you know, what Robert Sarver is accused of and, you know, obviously been proven of, then I need you to go look at it. I need you to go read it. I need you to go educate yourself. Not that I don't want to. It's just that I don't want to provide the light and energy. Kind of like the reason we haven't talked about Brett Favre. Um, and, and his allegations of fucking bullshit over the last 10, 12 years um, in Mississippi. You know, it's it kind of like that. We don't want to give light to situations that don't deserve the light because of how bad they are. It's the same reason we didn't talk about the Deshaun Watson stuff. So with that all being said, 
I will wrap up the NBA talk. We are a month away from NBA truly starting and kicking off. I can't wait to start talking about NBA games that matter, to go along with the NFL games that matter as well. But that's kind of what we got going on, and that's what we're going to talk about next. There was an NFL game last night that mattered, and it was the Chiefs. It was the Chargers, and they played a knockdown, dragout game. Uh, Patrick Mahomes tried to throw like four interceptions. You know, there was uh, one got called back because of a uh, of illegal contact when the guy tripped on the on the ground um, and grabbed the guy's hand and pulled him into him. So I mean, good good job for call, you know drawing that foul, Nicole. Um The other one was called back because it was he did not complete the catch even though they didn't overturn a very identical catch in week one. Um, but again, that's 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 refereeing. That's going to be the live human element to this, is that one person has to make a decision. One person you know, in one game makes the same decision differently. Um, and each person is not going to make the same decision sometimes. And so it is what it is. Uh, the Chargers jumped out to a 10-0 lead, uh, very similar to last week. And then they slowly started giving back points. They were up 17-14 at one point. Then it was 17-17. They were driving in. Gerald Everett got really tired um, as they were running no huddle. Didn't uh, cut back for a ball. And that was then picked off by the rookie, Jalen Watson. um, And taken back 99 yards for a touchdown. That's really your ball game at that point. They score three more points. Uh, the Chargers get a backdoor touchdown after J- Justin Herbert threw, you know, backdoor cover. Um, after Justin Herbert threw a touchdown um, after breaking a rib or potentially dislocating a rib, something happened in his rib cage that he couldn't move very well. But you know, he could throw the ball, and so they threw the ball. They, you know, they scored a touchdown. They tried to get the onside kick. It was real close to being recovered. Uh, It was on the ground for a hot second. They were right there with it. Just didn't come up with the ball. Ultimately, Chiefs obviously run out of the clock and win the game. 27-24. We told you here, 34-31. We got the, you know, the point difference correct. You know, it was a three-point game. We just happened to be a touchdown up on each team. Um And that's fine. It was a really good game. Patrick Mahomes gave me some weird vibes, honestly, um, in terms of his body language throughout the game. I think there was a couple times where he didn't seem like he was firing fine, but he felt like his team wasn't. Um, And, you know, he didn't know exactly what buttons to push. But at the same time, while that may have been the case, you really couldn't see it from the production on the field. Um, He just seemed a little out of sorts. Um, I mean, obviously, he wasn't as accurate as he normally is. 24 of 35. Had less than 250 yards. Had a couple touchdowns. Still is perfect in September. So, at the end of the day, does it really matter? Dub's a dub. Um, And, you know, the Chiefs played well. Um, The biggest thing that has been interesting for them is how strong their front seven have been. And been able to create so much pressure that it doesn't matter what's going on on the backside. Additionally, when they are being put into these positions, um, you know, while they're losing a lot of these battles with bigger receivers, when they get a good, decent matchup, those corners are winning them. And so as long as they don't face tall receivers or taller receivers, they can they can make some moves. They can be better than I thought they would be. Now, does that rise to the level of winning the division? 
I don't know. It's really going to be dependent upon Justin Herbert's uh, rib cage right now. If he has multiple broken ribs and is going to miss some time, then yeah, I I don't think they can they can win the division anymore. I just don't think they can. Uh, the Chargers, that is. It, while I like Chase Daniel, Chase Daniel is not Justin Herbert. Even if they were to trade for somebody like Jimmy G or Gardner Minshew, um, and Andy Dalton, somebody like that, it's not going to be the same quality or same caliber of player either. So we'll really have to wait and see. Uh, Justin does get 10 days to heal, so maybe he doesn't miss any games. Maybe they, you know, go into week three. He's there. They're fine. But we'll have to see. Uh, I thought that their defense played very well. Um, J.C. Jackson for his first game, you know, live game with the Chargers, I thought he played excellent. It will be interesting to see what that game in Los Angeles looks like uh, at the end of the season. Uh, Keenan Allen, I would assume, would be back. Uh, I would also assume Trent McDuffie would be back, too, for the Chiefs, that is. Um, so, well, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, and, and once we know more about Justin Herbert's injury, we'll be able to, to make some adjustments and decisions. We did not think that the Chargers would win both of the games to start the season. We thought that they would lose one game here and then win one game, whether it was losing to the Raiders, losing to the Chiefs, whichever way it worked out. We assumed it would probably be the Chiefs. That being said, I did not anticipate Justin Herbert getting hurt. Um, Justin Hurtbert. Ha <laughs> uh, Anyway, uh, so that is that last night's game. The Chiefs obviously moved to 2-0. and uh, Chargers moved to 1-1. One and one. Chiefs are in sole possession of first place. There's no way they can't be in first place uh, until new games are played next week. Additionally, they get 10 days to get healthy, 10 days to get back on, on the same page. Uh, shocker, last night, Juju went 2 for 14 yards. I don't expect that to continue. But Patrick also gave us the warning that, uh, you know, for fantasy guys out there, uh, he's sorry because it's going to be, you know, somebody else is going to lead the team in, in receiving every week. Uh, and outside of getting rock-bottomed by Derwin James, that was Travis Kelsey last night. And Travis Kelsey was exceptional. And in divisional games, Travis, Travis Kelsey is always exceptional. And so that should always be somebody you're looking at as well. Fantasy advice. Uh, if, you know, in a divisional game, Travis Kelsey 100% of the time. I don't care if you have, you know, any other tight end. Uh, there's not a better tight end in the league right now than Travis Kelsey, and there's certainly not a better tight end matchup for Travis Kelsey than inside of his division. And so that really breaks down all of what I had in my notes, at least for last night. Um, obviously, Corey Lindsley went out for the Chargers, so that's a big loss. Hopefully, he's not gone for too long, um, and and hopefully that doesn't hurt the Chargers too much. Justin Herbert, hopefully he doesn't miss any games. It's hard to see good talent miss games, you know. Um, And so I hope he's healthy. I hope he's safe. Uh, I want to see a lot more great games in the future. And and actually, we have three more games this week um, that are going to pit teams that are undefeated against teams that are undefeated. Um, You know, one of them is on Monday night. That's going to be your uh, Vikings versus the Eagles. Additionally, we have Bucks and Saints uh, and Dolphins and Ravens. Uh, and these are all three interesting games for different reasons. Um, and so we'll start with them as they come in chronologically. Um, so the first game there is the Bucks and Saints. Uh, and 
I might be wrong on this, and I might need somebody to fact check it, but I don't think Brady has beat the Saints in the regular season since he's put on a Bucks uniform. I think he's won one game. It was the playoff game. Um, but the regular season that year, they lost the two games. And then two, uh, last year, I think they lost two games as well. Um, and so, I could, again, I could be wrong. They may have won one of the games last year. But I thought it was of, I thought it was worthy and note, noteworthy and of note uh, because of the fact that Jameis was out last year, that they, they didn't beat the, the, the Saints. Uh, but either way, that's a hard matchup for Brady. Additionally, like we said earlier, uh, Chris Godwin going to be out. Donna, uh, Donovan Smith, uh, left tackle or right tackle, one of the two tackles, is out. Additionally, they're down to like their third string center, their second string guard. Um, and, you know, they're just hurting all across their line. Last week, uh, for all of the problems that the Cowboys had, one problem that they gave the Bucks was that they they provided pressure. Brady was not comfortable, and while they while the Bucks offensive line played decently, and I say decently because like Brady was still again under pressure, but they weren't uh, complete and utter fire, kind of like uh, Cincinnati's rebuilt def- uh, you know offensive line is. It, because they weren't an absolute disaster, then they were okay. Um, but the Saints, just like with the Cowboys, they have a really good defense. And so this is a hard game for me. They have Jameis back this year. Godwin's not going to be there for for Brady. Uh, you know, he doesn't have O.J. Howard. He has Cam Brate to be his tight end. Um, and then he has uh, Mike Evans. And then a, a whole bunch of guys like Julio. Now, Julio did play well last week. That was exciting to see for Hools. Uh I just don't know if that's going to be a week in week out thing, or if that might've been a week one flash in the pan type of thing. Cause he did look better than he had ever looked in Tennessee uh, in his last year in Atlanta. Um, but in terms of be- Julio being Julio, it wasn't quite the same. It did seem like something was missing there, uh, but he still had a good game. So hopefully Julio shows up for Tom Brady um, and they do well. It's, it's tough here. I don't know who I want to pick in this, in this game. Um, it's, mm, I don't know if I was going off of the line only Tampa Bay two and a half. That's basically a pick them, uh, for, for me is what that means. Uh, I, you know, what? I'm going to do it. Upset alert. Saints are going to win this game by six. It's going to be 20 to 14. It's not going to be a very offensive game. Uh, but here's the thing. Cowboys didn't have as good of a defense as what I think the Saints have. Uh, and the Saints, in uh, the Saints, so that they won't score as much as they did against the Cowboys. The Saints, on the mean hand, on the other hand, I think they have enough offense. Uh, Michael Thomas got going late in the second half. Maybe that continues. Olave, uh, Jarvis Landry are all there. Taysom Hill um, as a tight end. They also have uh, the other Hill as their tight end, I believe, as well. Uh, Kamara in the backfield with Ingram. Uh, I think they'll be fine. And so we're going to go 2014 Saints over the Bucks. Uh, next game that happens chronologically, it's going to be the Dolphins and the Ravens. Now, what's interesting about this game is it's going to tell us a lot about other teams as well. Uh, so, for example, if the, if the Dolphins win, say it's 24-21, right? What that tells us is that it's not a defense thing or an offense thing, 
they're just, you know, it wasn't like a Patriots defense thing. It wasn't their offense thing. Uh, last week was, you know, what it is. It was what it was. Um, it was a week one game. And those are always hit and miss for what you're going to see. Week two is going to tell us more the Patriots, a really good team. Um, or was it more about the Dolphins being a really good team? Additionally, that's, you know, if the Patriots, not the Patriots, if the Dolphins were to lose, say it's another blowout game like Lamar uh, gave him a couple years back, uh, the 55 to 3 game. Uh, say that, you know, he just shows out, they just absolutely obliterate the Dolphins. What does that say about the Patriots this year, for one? And then additionally, what does that say, you know, about Lamar and that offense? After all the questions and conversations in the offseason about his extension um, and then, you know, subsequently tabling the extension, uh, what does that all mean? What did, where does that go? And so I think it's going to be a really fun game. Um, I think you got to be a little bit more productive out of your backfield with Edmonds and Mostert. But other than that, they, they got Tyreek involved. They got Jalen involved. They got Gasecki involved, at least in targets. Um, being a little bit more precise with your passing, being a little bit more aggressive with your play calling, uh, I think that can go a long way. I do not think that the Dolphins win this game, though. Uh, you know, I think that with the Ravens being the home team, as well as being favored by three and a half, I would take the Ravens and I would take the three and a half points. I think they're going to win this game by about eight. I think it'll be 28, 20 final. Um, and I think you're going to see JK Dobbins this week for the Ravens as well, really give a different dynamic look to that backfield. And they're going to perform at a, you know, a higher level than they have to this point in the season. And that brings me to the last game that we were going to talk about with undefeated teams. And that's the Vikings going to Philadelphia in a rematch of the 2017 NFC Championship game. Uh, if you remember in that game, uh, it was kind of close throughout the, the beginning half of the first quarter, and then Case Keenum threw a pick six, and the game ended up being like 38-3 to or 38-7, to something like that. Um, so it was not a good game. Um, now, since then, they've met a couple times. I think the Vikings have actually won both of those matchups, uh, and they've both been on the road, though. So now they finally returned back to Lincoln Financial, uh, we'll see what happens there. Here's here's what's really happened last week. The Vikings looked awesome on offense, on defense, on special teams. They were the complete and utter better team uh, compared to the Packers. Now, this show did tell you last week that we thought the Packers were in for a letdown. They gave us the letdown a year ago against the Saints, and then you know ran for the next you know 16 weeks. So that was really impressive what they were able to do last year. And we told you it might be, it might happen again this year. Don't be surprised if the Vikings beat them. Additionally, the Vikings are a really good football team. And guess what? We were right. Justin Jefferson looked like the coming to be offensive player of the year that we have said on this show. Kirk Cousins looked fine. He didn't look, you know, world beating, but at the same time, he definitely looked comp- uh, competent and being, and, you know, and somebody who could be a NFL quarterback. And he, again, in that same tier that I put Russ in, that I put Baker in, you know, I throw him in, I throw Jalen in, I throw a bunch of other quarterbacks in, Kyler for one, Derek Carr, who are good quarterbacks, can't win you a title this year. Just can't. And so that's, you know, they looked awesome. On the other side, you had like awesome and terrible, and that was with the Eagles. Their offense looked awesome, except for when you look at the passing and like the specifically what the passing was. Yes, Jalen Hurts uh, c- 
completed 18 of his 32 pass attempts. That is great. He completed over 50%, just barely. Uh, but after that, after you get through that, you look at it, you say 19 rush attempts for 93 yards. That's a lot of hits that you take. Okay. Then you see a couple sacks on there. Then you see a couple quarterback hits on there. Then you see the fact that AJ Brown caught 10 of those 18 passes. Then you see that AJ Brown had 150 of his 215 yards. And then you start to question what exactly was going on outside of passing the ball to AJ Brown. And if I'm the Vikings, I do the exact same thing. Because what I see is that we were able to rushed the quarterback, he got out of his throwing rhythm, and ran the ball. Because only seven of those 19 uh, rush attempts were on designed runs. The rest were runs that were created via scramble, via coverage sacks, you know, or what would, would have been coverage sacks for a non-mobile quarterback. Uh, you know, basically stuff of that nature, where you played good defense in the back half. And the thing is, the Vikings have, I think, the ability to do that. On top of that, I think their their front seven can be a little scarier than what the Lions were. And so the fact that the Lions had a lot of success on defense against the, the Eagles, I know they gave up all the points. Um you know, but it was, you know, thirty one points were on the, the Lions defense, then the you know, the Eagles defense scored some points. Additionally, for the Eagles, their defense gave up thirty five points to the Lions. And while I'm high on the Lions' offense and their ability to, to put up points and be a better team than they were last year, that's a lot of points to give up, guys. Uh, and and so you give up a massive lead. I think they were up by 17 uh, in the third quarter. And, you know, for that 17-point lead to become a three-point win, that's not good. And so they got to get that cleared up. They got to get that fixed up. Uh, can they do it by Monday? Here's the thing. If... If Thielen is still Thielen, right? They got KJ Osborne, they got Dalvin Cook, they have Alexander Madison to to spell Cook. Uh, they have Irv Smith in the at the tight end. I think they're pretty stacked on offense. And so when you look across the board, you're like CJ. Yeah, you're gonna go with with uh, with Osborne probably. You'll probably put Slay on JJ the whole time, and then Bradbury on Thielen. When you look at their body size and the way that they play, those are probably the best matchups. If they do that, I think they can have some success in holding you know Justin Jefferson to maybe like a nine-catch, 84-yard game, right? Uh, and if they can do something of that nature, they keep Justin Jefferson out of the end zone, they keep Dalvin Cook out of the end zone, I think the Eagles can win. Do I think they do that tonight? I don't know. I don't – it's so hard because last week we gave you our preseason predictions and we said Jalen Hurts had the ability to be uh, MVP of the league. Last week, he put up numbers that would tell you he's probably going to be on, on in that conversation for MVP of the league if he can you know score the three touchdowns that he scored last week every week. The problem that I always run into is when I evaluate the Eagles, when they're going against a good team, it's hard. Here's what I do know. For all of the positives that I have given the Vikings, the one thing I didn't see was a ton of speed inside of their big guys. And I think that's going to be crucial to keeping the, the you know having coverage sacks uh, or you know coverage scrambles for minimal gain because then you have to come out and corral within that front seven because your 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 you know secondary is covering the receivers. And so uh, I 
the Eagles are favored by two right now. I think I would take the Eagles. I think I would take the points. I think it's a close game. Let's go 27-21 Eagles final. And so those are our three like matchups that we're super excited to watch. Now, there are some important matchups this week as well, like the 0-1 Cardinals going against the 0-1 Raiders. One of those teams is going to fall to 0-2. And when you fall to 0-2, you have a heck of a you know worse chance uh, at winning, you know, winning and going to the playoffs, that is, uh, than you do if you start even 1-1. One and one. And so one of those teams will probably see their, their playoff hopes uh, dwindle and you know, start to fade at the beginning of the season, which is always sad to see. Additionally, the Bengals and the Cowboys. No Dak for the Cowboys, which is kind of an advantage you would think for the Bengals, right? Except the Bengals may be dealing with a, a Super Bowl hangover. And so that might be a benefit to the Cowboys. I think that's probably the hardest game to predict this week, truly, really, honestly. And it has a massive line right now as well. Uh, it has Cincinnati by seven. That's almost moved to two and a half points, almost three points now. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, the I think the Bengals, seven is a lot to be hanging on the Cowboys defense right now. Additionally, when Cooper Rush got into the game last week on Sunday um, after Dak got hurt, he played pretty well. Now, he was going against vanilla defense. It was somebody who wasn't preparing for him, so that's a little bit harder to do. Uh, but I think I think, I think, think we can probably see the Bengals there. Um, if you want a surefire bet that I think will, will pay off, you know, and, and, you know, you could probably get decent returns on it, um, it would be the Steelers hosting the Patriots. Uh, the Steelers are a two and a half point underdog. And so just winning that game for them means that they're going to, you would cover and you would win your, your thing. I think that's one of those one lines a week that is just messed up. Um, I don't see any way that the, the Patriots having lost 20 to seven and the Steelers winning a game in which they forced five turnovers and still have the one guy that caused all of the ruckus and Minka Fitzpatrick still on the field. I think when you have somebody like that, when you're able to, to say that this is the person that's a part of my team, this is the heart and blood and soul, this is why we won last week, right? Since that's there, it was a rival, it was a division game, so there was already emotions to it. It's not going to be an emotional high game. That game is kind of encapsulated in itself, as well as Mike Tomlin being, if you know, if you put Belichick number one, Andy Reid number two, I would be, I would argue Mike Tomlin's number three in terms of best coaches in the league right now. It's him, Sean McVay, and Kyle Shanahan. And they're having a fucking party all together in that little room that would be, you know, designated for the third person. They're all chilling together. Um, and, you know, they're fighting out, fighting it out for who the third best, you know, coach is in, you know, in the NFL. And, and so I would give it to Mike Tomlin personally. I think when you have never had a losing season, you kind of get the benefit of the doubt there. Additionally, it would go far for them, you know, as a team, if Mike Tomlin is able to get his second win this year, uh, that would almost, to me, assure that Mike Tomlin is going to finish the season above 500. So, those are a few of the games to watch for this weekend. Obviously, watch all the games. Carson Wentz is going to Detroit. Uh, we'll see how well he does in comparison to what Jalen did. If you want to take a betting line right now, I will go ahead and give you, uh, you know, plus 10,000 odds that Carson Wentz won't run 
the ball as many times as Jalen Hurts did. And so that's a free betting line for you guys. Thank you so much for turning in to the show today. We do appreciate having everybody here. As a reminder, please like, rate, subscribe, and share this with all your friends. I would love to be able to bring you know more sports topics, more related topics to people, uh, things that they want to hear. Uh, and so I would need your help and support to do that. If you don't mind getting me in front of a couple new faces this week, I would love to be able to do so. We will try to be more active on social media this weekend during the football games. Uh, you know, And we can't wait to be here with you guys next week, breaking down everything that's happened in week two. Thank you for turning in this week, guys. And let me know, am I a genius or am I just crazy?